Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee. This is the Autosport Podcast. Well, I'm sure you've heard the news by now. The four-time world champion Sebastian Vettel will retire at the end of this year. I'm joined by two of our experts on the podcast today to discuss and hear their opinions. Uh, Kevin Turner, our chief editor, and uh, Alex Kalinorkis, our Grand Prix editor. Uh, we'll talk about how he announced it, why he chose to leave now, and perhaps the role that Aston's performance played in that or not, uh, whether he should have quit at the end of his Ferrari era and what he could do next. Who our guests think could and should replace him, whether Aston are a team in the ascendancy and what it means for silly season driver market now. Uh, we've seen some handy Friday outings from some drivers that might fancy a look at that seat. Let's get into the podcast today. Alex, we'll come to you first. Uh, thank you for jumping on this podcast uh, to uh, uh, to talk about this huge bit of news this week. I'm sure it's made your, your week a little bit busier. Um, what do you think about the way that he chose to announce it finally appearing on social media eh? yeah it it was all very Sebastian Vettel but it also wasn't very Sebastian Vettel because he announced it through social media but I think um I think I think that just the sort of it it sums up the man you know I I think I think his problem with social media is everyone's problem with it it's the it's the negativity and the downsides that come with it but equally he's a smart guy 
especially if he knows he's not going to be in Formula One soon enough, he's going to need a new platform and, and, and he can he can get on very easily. And it, uh, by the time I uh, saw the Instagram account had, had, had become a thing and, and started following it, it already had nearly half a million followers. So it just wow. it just shows you the power of Sebastian Vettel. But um, but yeah, I think, um, it, again, the whole announcement is very Sebastian Vettel. It's done on his own terms, in his own way. And it, it enhances him because it's not like, it's Aston Martin gone, right, you've done a terrible job, we don't want you anymore. He's made the call. He's a bright guy. He knows he's not at the level he was 10 years ago with Red Bull. He knows that he has different priorities now. And those priorities are ultimately what made the decision. It was his time that he wanted to be spending with his family. And just knowing that he wants to see his kids grow up, he wants to learn from them, he wants to educate them. And I think that's that's really nice, nice, nice. Uh, it's just a nice... Sebastian Vettel moment it's, it does it, it's, it's surprising in terms of it's always a surprise when a big name retires but the way it's been done doesn't surprise me at all because it's Sebastian Vettel I think it sums, um, sums him up quite nicely Is there anything that you've sensed over the last few weeks and months that you thought this annou- announcement might be coming or has he played it close to his chest? Not in terms of the last few weeks and months in the paddock. I think if you you listen to the various public utterings uh, that he's made, the sense within the team, it's not like, oh, get ready for something big or, you know, we're preparing for, for something upcoming. But I just think generally looking back on the things we were told on and off the record that Vettel, Aston Martin, unless they were in the fight for the world championship in 2022... I don't think this was a relationship that was long for the Formula One history books because my understanding, speaking from someone who works at the team, basically this stage last year, was that it was very apparent that Sebastian Vettel had other interests outside of Formula One. Interests like, you know, saving the bees, sustainable farming, his impact on the world that he knew were at odds with what Formula One is. And now, in terms of it's doing what it can in terms of its messaging, it's got work to do on improving its messaging and how it can contribute to the the shocking climate crisis we're all facing. But at the end of the day, it is flying all around the world racing motor cars. And I think that stood at odds with what Sebastian Vettel has come to be. So yeah, I, I, I think while the, the, the short term sort of shock was a little bit unexpected, longer term, I think it's come to a sort of uh, a natural conclusion. All right, Kev, let's come to you next. What do you think about the timing of his announcement? You've been covering his career for a long time, our chief editor of, of Autosport. So you've got a, a pretty decent view of his career and the history. You know, possibly should he have stopped at the end of Ferrari or do you, you think it was sensible to give it at least give it a bash, Aston? And what do you think uh, well, of the timing? First of all, very happy that he didn't call it a day at the end of the Ferrari year because obviously 2020 was A, a terrible year for Ferrari and B, a terrible season for him as well. He's completely blown apart by Leclerc and he was at a really low ebb. So I think it would have been really sad uh, for Vettel and F1 in general if he'd, if a four-time world champion kind of left at that point. So no, I, I think he's he's gone to Aston Martin. Okay, the, the team hasn't been as competitive as he would have hoped and they would have hoped, but I think he's shown that he still had a bit of life left in him yet. We've seen some good performances last year at Monaco and Hungary, for example. So I think he, he goes out now in a better place than uh, than he would have done if he'd been in 2020 and the timing well it's very sensible isn't it like Alex was saying it's just very it's just very Seb it's given the team enough time to sort something out it gives him a, a last few races to kind of do his a mini farewell tour um, it's, it's just all very very sensible so no I think I think he's not hanging on too long 
you know, we, we're not going to say, oh, our last couple of seasons were a bit were a bit rubbish, um, as as some past greats have done in the past. Um, so no, I think the timing is is entirely Seb and very sensible. His reason for leaving, which is his reason he was saying he's got other things that he wants to do with his life after spending so long dedicated to Formula One. So that's the reason he's leaving. But what, how much was a, you know, obviously his family was a pull towards him, but how much was a push away from Formula One? Has Aston's performance and, and lack of delivering on that promise that we thought was there a couple of years ago with a big investment, how much of that might have pushed him away from Formula One? Well, I think one, if you you've think? got a competitive car that you can fight for races and championships, it's easier to keep that motivation going a bit longer. I mean, he's talked about, you know, he feels like a hypocrite with his travelling around the world, burning lots of fuel on planes, not not so much the cars, but, um, you know, all the resources that, that Formula One takes uh, for him to do the thing that he loves. But I think you put that to one side if you're in the middle of a championship fight, whereas he's not. So he's got other things in his life, the family. And I don't think we've heard the last of him. I think that Seb will, will use these platforms that he's got to t- keep talking about big issues. Um, so yeah, Aston Martin's competitiveness, competitiveness was probably the last the last straw in the direction that he was going anyway. But but also, I think it's, it's interesting to wonder. Say the AMR twenty two was the the Red Bull or the Ferrari of twenty twenty two, right? It was leading the class. I, equally, I could see Sebastian Vettel winning a, a fifth world title and, and calling it a day. I think he's that sort of champion that goes right. Do you know what? This might not happen again. I want to go out on top of my game. And I will. So I, I take the point, you know, it, it, it was a lower consideration, but he's just, he's that sort of, he's one, he's one of those inspiring characters that can, because some, some people do that. They're like, oh, I've just won and I want to carry on and I want to carry on, always chasing that edge. Who could we possibly be talking about? Fernando Alonso, I thought, <laughs> he, you know, but his determination is more to prove a point rather than, you know, keeping it going when he's not got the fire. And he, and he is also delivering, as perhaps we'll come on to talk about later on when assessing uh, candidates who could replace Vettel Aston. But Vettel is that he is that sort of guy that goes, you know what? I've done it, and now I go. And I think that's 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 interesting as well. In terms of whether we'll see him racing next, Kev, do you think? Because we've seen people who haven't been world champions go on and have great successful careers in other series, and you know, pick and choosing a bit of GT racing or whatever is not as demanding on family life and. Uh, we've also seen world champions stop, and Nico Rosberg have a, a media career. You know, and also a, a, a green advocate for renewables and and things like that. Uh, we've also seen you know, Jensen Button still does a bit of racing, but a bit of media. What what do you think you could see Sebastian Vettel doing next? Anything oh, in I the can limelight? I see him doing the odd low level thing. Like I'd love to see him rock up at the Goodwood Revival or Silverstone Classic with his special fuel in in a in a Cobra or a GTO or something like that. Would be quite cool. But I don't think he's going to have a a proper program. I think he's going to. He's more likely to be a spokesperson, ambassador. I can see him much more playing almost like a, a political role, if you like, um, because these things. I, I think it's yeah. His his retirement video. I think he's very sincere. I think he absolutely means what he says. And yes, I'm sure he will be spending more time with his family. But I also think that we'll be. I don't think he's going to be Kimi Raikkonen and just vanish. I think that he'll be. I think that we will be hearing more from Seb, but probably not as much behind the wheel. I, I could see, because bear in mind, this is a driver who between the, the, the British Grand Prix in 2020 and the 70th anniversary Grand Prix just went off to do some mountain biking in the, in the Welsh hills. He's just going to, I think he'll, he'll turn up with, with his, with his, with his, uh, with his uh, sustainable fuel at like 
I don't know, a 24 hour 2CV meeting. I genuinely could see him doing that. He just, but he'll, he'll enter under a pseudonym or something and he'll just be himself. That, yeah, that, that's the type of guy I think and, he and is. And remember, he does have a genuine, like, <laughs> uh, he likes the motorsport history, right? He was, even when he first came into F1, he had more appreciation for the history of the sport. You know, he's the guy that brought out the FW14B at Silverstone, right? He's got his own collection. Um, so he appreciates in fact I think he once corrected Christian Horner over the radio didn't he when he started listing four time world champions he went you've forgotten Alain Prost so like, this is the moment of your greatest triumph and you're still <laughs> you're still switched on so no I, I, I think we'll see him turning up at events I don't think he'll yeah, he'll vanish but uh, yeah I, I, like, I like Alex's idea let's see Seb do a load of cameo appearances in really random championships absolutely but uh, just one very small uh, note on that FW14B run that maybe some people could spot this from the grandstands uh, opposite the uh, international pit straight at Silverstone. Oh, sorry, it's the Hamilton uh, pit straight it's called now, isn't it? But anyway, um, Vettel got out of that car, did all the uh, did all the, the press call, did the, you know, the, the photographs, the interviews, the moment with Nigel Mansell, all of that. Then the driver's parade was happening for the British Grand Prix. Vettel was in his, you know, mocked up uh, Williams suit with the, you know, advocating the fuel that was in the car. Then he's got to get changed out of it into his Aston kit. So he just does it. He just takes the kit off. He sort of stood there in his underwear and then he takes the T-shirt off and he just, just does it by the pit wall. Then he gets in the car and gets driven around. But yeah, I just thought, uh, yeah, just like, right, get on with it. And finally, before we look at replacements, Alex, we think the role that he played at Aston Martin was under the Stroll leadership, you know, very famous name in, in terms of automotive and racing uh, as well, and a, and a keenness to revive that name and, and also to have a four-time world champion as expensive as he may be on their books and also a, you know, a, a fellow driver who needed needed mentoring and a team that obviously could benefit from all of his experience. What, what do you think that, that his legacy of his Aston time will be? Well, it's interesting. He was hired because, and I think this will offer us clues later on to when we come to consider who will replace him. He was hired because Lawrence Stroll wanted a big name world champion in the other car uh, that his son is not driving when it comes to relaunching the Aston brand in Formula One. But it's, it's interesting. I think the most the, 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 the most important insight we've heard over the last few days when it comes to considering how Vettel has been has been working at that team was was Lance Stroll's comment when he was like, what, what will you miss about Sebastian Vettel? And I, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was, well, I won't miss the long debriefs. I think that just shows you, you know, Vettel wasn't just here to bank a paycheck, which we understand is less than what he was on at Ferrari quite considerably. But, he wasn't just there to to make up the numbers and just do it as a hobby, like uh, a certain, like one of his former teammates, Mister Raikkonen. <laughs> right? He obviously put the effort in. It's just with that with that uh, you know the, the, the challenges that Aston faced last year with the rear floor changes that impact the, the the low rate cars because of what it had done in twenty twenty taking the twenty nineteen Mercedes that made it very difficult. Even the works Mercedes squad took half a season to get on top of that. It was very challenging. Then you've got these big regulation challenges. Uh, sorry. The, <clears throat> and you've got these big regulation changes for 2022. It was a difficult job, but it sounds like, and what we understand, he approached it as professionally and as thoroughly as you'd expect from Vettel. All right. Well, look, let's get into it then. And let's talk about who we could see in that uh, that seat. We call it the, I was about to call it the second seat, but uh, let's be careful with that. Kev, we'll come to you first and, and start to have a look at some of the names and, and what it could do to silly season as well and affect the rest of the grid um, shake up. So what are your initial well, thoughts? I think that the Stroll quote tells you something more about Lance than it does about Vettel or as much about him as he does Vettel and also indicates that you need, <laughs> I would suggest someone quite experienced to slot into that seat because... Lance Stroll isn't isn't going to lead that that team to world championships, is it? So, 
Um, I guess there are two obvious names. I, I don't buy the Fernando Alonso thing. I don't see why he would leave. Like the Alpine thing makes much more sense to me. He's been. They've made it very clear that he's part of the family there. He's a legend for them. They've already talked about what he's going to do in hypercar and LMDH once he's finished with F1. So I don't see the... I don't see the Alonso option, really. And why would he go there? It doesn't make sense to me. They might want him, but I don't see why he would go. I think the two most sensible options would be Daniel Ricciardo, because it's clearly not working at McLaren. Okay, he would be effectively taking a step down the grid, but he did that when things weren't working at Red Bull in his favour. He took a punt and went to a team that was un, you know, less likely to be fighting for wins. Uh, and the other option, of course, is Nico Hulkenberg, who I don't think should ever have fallen off the F1 grid in the first place. Um, and he he's obviously still at the team. He's done cameo appearances for them before. So for me, they're the two they're the two obvious strong candidates. I'd probably go for Ricciardo because he's got the more he's he's got race winning experience. Okay, not a championship, but he's a race winner. He took his chance even at McLaren last year, and Hulkenberg's been out of the race seat for a little while now. Whereas Ricciardo's you know he's not race rusty, so he would be that would probably be my primary option if I were sitting in that seat. What we can't underestimate, though, is as uh, is basically very, very wealthy people and their desire to have new shiny things and how much that you know, they like that, right? So, what what I, what we can't rule out is Lawrence Stroll just offering. Who's the only other available world champion? Fernando Alonso, a load of money, and being like, "Come here and develop my team." But I'm I'm in agreement with Kev. I don't think why would Alonso go there? It it, it would be a step down the grid, as Kev says. You know that. The, the the LMDH program that Alpine are offering him once he's finished, I think I think that that, that, that that's more in his thinking. And also the Alpine car is better right now. It, 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 Fernando's talked so long about he needs he, he's about the chance to fight for wins and to fight for championships. And that's 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 gets going to be easier in an Alpine than an Aston Martin. So therefore, we've then got... No, I just love the fact that you've called Fernando Alonso a, a new shiny thing as a 40-year-old double world champion. It's absolutely brilliant. But do you know what? The, the, other, thing, <laughs> well, the other thing against, against the Alonso thing is, is like, he's got a history of absolutely like, annihilating young teammates yeah. and finishing their careers. And we're talking about drivers who, frankly, have got a much better junior career, and, career than, than Stroll Jr. One, uh, it'd, be like, it'd be Lawrence, just say that you want to sack your son by putting Fernando Alonso in alongside i mean I, I can't i can't see it working from that point of view either lawrence wants and believes stroll can be a world champion so that's another reason why they you know, make of that what you will i think what i'm pretty sure i know what most people would make of it but that's that's another reason why the alonso thing doesn't make sense and you know he does have this reputation for disrupting things and and things like that and also just considering okay yeah maybe he's a an older new shiny thing but he's basically a, the, the, one of the team managers at alpine that's that's the that's that's the fact of the matter there right but then you uh, again i've got to come back to this that strolls lawrence strolls desire to have a pr you know headline driver well it's got to it's got to be a race winner then I think Daniel Ricciardo is the logical choice because he's got more wins and he's got a great reputation, but it's been dented massively by being utterly destroyed by Landon Norris. There's no getting away from that. So who's the other one? Pierre Gasly. That's the only other option, I think. Really? Yeah, Hulkenberg, I can see the logic. And maybe he gets a one-year deal because things might open up more in 2024. But the real, real, the really impressive shiny drivers are all locked in. They're all locked in at the big teams. Norris at McLaren, Leclerc at Ferrari, Sainz at Ferrari. Verstappen, of course, at Red Bull. Russell at Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton, he's never going to go to Aston Martin. Okay, stranger things have happened, but I could, I would say it's more likely that he ends up finishing his career at Ferrari than Mercedes, but that's by the by. So yeah, 
Pierre Gasly. That would be my tip. He's going nowhere in the AlphaTauri Red Bull programme and Lawrence Stroll can afford to buy him out of the contract he's got there. So that, that would be, I think, the surprise shiny thing choice. If you're not going for a, a proven race winner, though, should you go for someone who you mentioned, Lewis Hamilton, who was in his car on Friday, someone like Nick De Vries, someone who is not going to lead the team, who has not got bags of experience, but is a potential future champion, Alex. Would you? What do you think about those kind of names floating around who are up and coming? Yeah, I, I would. I would have either Nick De Vries or uh, Oscar Piastri. But I think it's more likely Piastri ends up at Williams. I don't think Nicholas Latifi is going to be around next year. Strange things have happened in terms of the way things could change, but that would be my. I think Alpine. So at Alpine, it's Alonso and Ocon. I think that's 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 fairly nailed on, and it would make most sense for that team. Albon and Piastri at Williams. So therefore, who do you put in at Aston Martin? Nick De Vries. But that's who I would put in because I I that's that's me looking at the junior drivers and who's available and the talent outside Formula One. But you, I'm sorry, you cannot estimate what Lawrence Stroll wants and therefore mm. what Lawrence Stroll gets. I, I think you also, though, want someone who knows Formula One well enough to help you develop the car. And that very revealing quote that Alex said earlier on suggests to me that Lance Stroll isn't that driver, despite the fact he has now started more World Championship Grand Prix than Jackie Stewart. So he's not really a young up-and-coming driver anymore, is he? But anyway, so I don't think you'd put... A, you don't want to end up in a Haas-type situation last year where you didn't know where you were because you had, in that case, two rookies. In this case, it'd be a rookie and, let's say, an inconsistent middle-experienced driver. So if I were the team manager, I'd be going... Uh, Ricardo, I fancy because I think what he's done at McLaren isn't indicative of where his level is at. I don't think that we know necessarily know why it's not worked out. He may not even know. But uh, yeah, a, ro- a roll of the dice for him and move on. And I think he could really flourish at flourish at Aston Martin, presumably without destroying Stroll Jr. in a way that someone like Alonso might do. There's mm. a name that we haven't considered that ticks both the 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 requirement to have something shiny and new and a big and a big name. <laughs> doesn't necessarily come with the greatest of reputations, but he's nevertheless a Formula 3 and a Formula 2 champion and is out of contract at Haas. And that's Mick Schumacher. Personally, I wouldn't do it. I don't think Mick's been all that impressive in Formula 1 so far. I think I'd rather have Nick de Vries, etc., or ideally Oscar Piastri there at Aston Martin. That, that's who I would have, if not, if you couldn't get Pierre Gasly. But he is being talked about. Vettel, he didn't quite say it in his, in his press call yesterday, but he heavily hinted at how much he sort of would favour Schumacher going there to replace him. But it's nice. As I said, I think the PR value of that Schumacher name is immense. Just not sure that will be the way it goes. Kev, what about the ability of, of apart from the paycheck they can offer, that that size of team, can the kind of driver they can attract? Now, I've been up to Silverstone a few times this year, not only for the Formula One, but for you know, bits and bobs and track stuff. And for anyone that's not seen it, like just visually the investment that's going in to the amount of, building a wind tunnel and stuff like that it's a serious serious investment and it's is it a gamble hoping that they're going to come good do they have to you know in the way that mercedes prized lewis hamilton away from mclaren is it a case of saying look just look at what we're building and it will come what do you think uh well i mean it's not that long ago that we were talking about this team as the best you know pound pound for pound team on the grid right when it was force india and racing point and there's a lot of those people Okay, not everyone, but there's a lot of those people still there. 
So we know the fundamentals of the team are good and you would have think that adding resources and facilities in should just make them better. So yes, I think it is worth a punt because mm. how soon is a slot going to open up at one of the big three teams? That's probably down to when Lewis Hamilton decides to retire. Uh, so that's your only opportunity mm. probably. So yeah, at this point, yeah, why not? Why not take a punt with with Aston Martin um, because they, they should be going in one direction. I guess the, the, the caveat to that is obviously they've had a bad last couple of years. Last year we know why because they were caught out by the same the same rule changes Mercedes was as Alex said earlier. A uh, bit worrying that they didn't get a bit more on the ground effects uh, you know ground, ground effects new rules. But then again the whole rules are catered around trying to make the grid as even as possible. You know more wind tunnel time etc etc for teams that haven't done so well so Aston Martin will surely go forward so yes I think if you're I think if you're sort of looking around going I need an opportunity and actually that makes sense of both Ricciardo and Gasly I agree with Alex that Gasly's not going anywhere he's never going to get in a Red Bull seat again so he could take a punt or Ricciardo could probably his last one for Ricardo, I would think if it, if he was to make that move, so yeah, I think if you've not if you've not got a potential opening at, at one of the big three, why not go along and 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 tr- chance your arm at Aston? I came into this podcast not thinking that uh, Daniel Ricardo could be you know could be an option, but I think you've persuaded me that it's at least his name's on the table. Final word to Alex. Then, how do you feel that 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 relationship is at McLaren? You've been following them for you know obviously you've been in the paddock as well, and you've you see this with your your, your own eyes. We've seen. You know, comments from Zach Brown publicly on social media talking about certain things and then that sort of got walked back a little bit. And then, you know, last weekend, Andrew Seidel saying, oh, we're fully, but publicly saying fully behind Daniel Ricciardo because he has a contract here. Like, why why wouldn't be? Wouldn't we be? That, surely that would be seen as a, as a failure, that two years at McLaren would just be a failure because he hasn't got the grip of, for whatever reason, of, of this car. Um, and it would be, if it didn't work out at, 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 at Aston, then that would just be what could have been potentially an amazing career, potential world championship winning career, kind of squandered with bad decisions. What, what do you think about that Ricardo leaving McLaren now thing? Well, if if his career were to end with a two-year stint at Aston Martin where he doesn't win a world title, then, then it is. He gave up a Red Bull. See, Red Bull wanted to keep him. They offered him the same deal that Verstappen was on in 2018 to going into 2019. So then that, that would... That would uh, that would logically play out that it was his decision making that cost him the chance uh, to be in a world title fight because Red Bull did come good, but it's it was Verstappen's squad, you know. I can I can understand why Ricardo made the decision he did, but in terms of McLaren, I mean, Andreas Seidel, I've, I have so much respect for him. Talk to anyone, talk to anyone who worked at him, uh, Porsche back in the day in BMW, now with McLaren, he just leads that race team and that squad so well really really and a really nice man as well actually while we were having some uh, how to put this some difficulties with a security guard not understanding how time (laughs) worked at the French Grand Prix and and access to the pit lane to to view the the car presentations to see all the updates last weekend walked past the McLaren garage and and Andreas Seidel was there and our our colleague Oleg from GP Racing said Andreas can we please walk through your walk through your garage to get into the pit lane he was like yes of course I'll lead you through so it was was a a mark of the man he's a very 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 humble man really good so of course he's going to back Ricardo. the problem Ricardo had last year was you know the sort of the the braking and and what he was doing at corner entry finding it really really tricky and I suspect my understanding is that that's what's been you know it's still not resolved the braking is different with these new cars the understeer that's inherent with the new Pirellis and the fact that you know, Venturi tunneled uh, ground effect cars are just awful in the slow speed corners. I think he's struggling with that massively. But with, with it's, it's what's that Brown saying above 
everything else as the ultimate boss of McLaren that should really worry McLaren, uh, sorry, really, <clears throat> excuse me, that should really worry Ricardo fans in terms of seeing him at McLaren because you don't make the comments that he made around Monaco time if you if you really are fully backing your driver. And you also don't load up your junior programme with impressive IndyCar drivers and offer them F1 <laughs> tests and keep talking about their potential to be into Formula 1. Lando Norris, he's, he's key committed his future to the long haul. That seat is sewn up. If Ricardo was 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 also sewn up in McLaren's mind, okay, you want to have a junior programme, but these aren't exactly 16, 17-year-olds racing in Formula... Uh, Formula 3 and Formula 2 they're established stars in their own right and they're very impressive so it doesn't look good for his McLaren future he does have a contract however but as we know let's not talk about IndyCar contracts because that's a massive controversy at the moment with Alex Mm, Pulley but Formula 1 contracts if if McLaren want him gone and Aston Martin want him an arrangement will be found it it just will with the McLaren also it strengthens their IndyCar hand doesn't it to show that pathway like they're becoming you know, like a you know cross Atlantic power, uh, so it would be it would be great for F one. It'd be great for um, you know for the team to get someone in from America from IndyCar uh, uh, to, to to join the team. And I agree with Alex. Like I think you know the relationship with Ricardo. I think both parties are actually quite sensible and have tried to make it work, but for whatever reason, it isn't. So. Yeah, it's a bit like throwing you know good money after bad, isn't it? He he shouldn't stay just for the sake of trying to make it work. You know, perhaps it's time to you know there's a there's an obvious slot that he could fill. They can they can throw in someone that they've they've already you know put that put that first sort of uh, olive branch out to. So yeah, I think it I think it makes it makes a, the more I think about it, the more I think that Ricardo goes to, to Aston and you get someone else into that second seat from uh, from North America. Well, I hope for our listeners that we have answered more questions than perhaps we've asked, or maybe that's that's a whole bunch of stuff you're thinking about now. Before we go, we can't leave without a word on Sebastian Vettel's career as a whole, from that uh, Toro Rosso arrival and that uh, an, an immense win in the wet and those world championships. We'll start with Alex. We'll come come to you first uh, for your thoughts on on his looking back as a career as a whole. I mean, as a career as a whole, what a career! One of one of the great Formula One careers, but. It's got the caveat of it's not the greatest Formula One or one of the greatest Formula One careers, right? For several reasons. I mean, just think back to the Red Bull era when he was the up and coming, you know, Wunderkid. He was, oh, he was superb. He was going on Top Gear and doing impressions of Nigel Mansell, and you know, he's an Anglophile and things like that. He really, people really liked him, and then then he became the winning machine, and people stopped liking him, which is very unfair, of course, because what's he supposed to do? Not not win with the quick, well, clearly the quickest car. Um, but just thinking about, you know, it's been interesting thinking about Vettel's whole career and how things developed. Like, it always used to frustrate me when I was still at school and, and for university, he had that reputation of not being an overtaker simply because he won from the front, which is, of course, of course, nonsense. Go and look at the 2011 Italian Grand Prix and that pass he put in on Fernando Alonso. Go and look, and there's a race, it might even be the 2011 Australian Grand Prix. There's a pass he makes into what that chicane that they obliterated. He, he could do it. Yeah, okay. He made mistakes such as Spa 2010, but I always found that rete- uh, that uh, reputation mm. undeserved. Yeah, I think that's fair. 2013 mm. that's Indian Grand Prix where he had the he had the early stock because he's on the really soft tyres, 
uh, and he just passed everyone, <laughs> pretty much everyone, even before they they pitted, and he won by, I think he won by half a minute that one as well. So now I thought that not being able to not being able to overtake thing was a bit of a nonsense. Although of course it didn't help that he then did lose out quite a few times in wheel to wheel fights with Lewis Hamilton later on after he'd moved to Ferrari. Mm. In terms of specifically the wheel to wheel racing, I just don't think he was as adept with the bigger, heavier cars with the lack of the blown diffuser and the tricks that Adrian Newey that was, uh, was, was, was deploying that he could do so well. I think that's where he was at his utter best. Don't forget he was at Ferrari during its, you know, it's, 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 it's the driver. Look at Leclerc and Sainz now, they're still fighting against the team and, and, and Vettel, was probably in a similar situation. You know, so many years, there's a big hope about him and Ferrari and it just never came to fruition. He made errors, the team made errors. And that's, it's followed the sort of natural racing driver career in many ways. Like, brilliant start, nailed his legend, went and did something at Ferrari. Very few of them work out. It worked out for Schumacher, it worked out for Raikkonen in the modern era. How many of, Alonso, he went there and tried to do it. He also failed. Went to Aston Mm. Martin and that's where, what I really like about Vettel, and I think what a lot of people like about Vettel, is that that's where he showed who he was as a man, like in terms of what he was interested in off track, going and picking up that litter at Silverstone, you know, wearing the rainbow T-shirt in Hungary in face of that awful regime there, st- making these statements, acknowledging that he's a hypocrite when he was on question time. The fact that he went on question mm. time, full stop. That's what's really, really impressive. He will always be an F1 legend for what he did with Red Bull. It will always have the he tried and failed at Ferrari, and that's where his reputation took a dent. But as a as a you know, I don't think you can get any higher praise than Lewis Hamilton saying he was one of the few people that meant my F one experience wasn't lonely. I think that was that's really powerful. Yeah, statement, that, that's that's wow. a lovely line, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I think yeah, if you look at look at where okay, so he's he's a Formula One great. You can't be a four time world champion without being great, quite obviously. Where does he slot in the generation? I'd say third. I think we know that he. Yeah, he, he saw off Raikkonen. I know there are a lot of Kimi Raikkonen fans out there, but over a consistency of career, Vettel, you know, Vettel stuffed him at Ferrari and there was too many seasons in Raikkonen's career where he wasn't, you know, he wasn't performing as he should have done and as he did earlier in his career. But I think you have to say Fernando Alonso did more with the kit that he had. In 2012, I think it was absolutely sensational. I've said this before. There were moments when Vettel was brilliant, especially with the blown diffuser in a way, you know, he got on top of it in a way that Mark Webber couldn't. Um, but yeah, Lewis Hamilton, like if you're talking about the last 15, yeah, if you're talking about the post Schumacher era, for me, it's, it's, it's Hamilton, Alonso and, and Vettel in, in third, which is no, which is no disgrace. Um, but I also agree with Alex that he, I think I'd be interested to know actually in, in the fullness of time, how much Lewis Hamilton's outspokenness encouraged Vettel to do the same because it's interesting journeys they've both been on sort of both when you're when you're young and you first come into Formula 1 you just want to win races like you don't really care about context you know we've heard the clerk say things like oh I, I, I don't really know I don't pay attention but actually as you get older and you mature and you become more aware of things you know Hamilton has really realised that he's got a platform to um, shout about what he he wants to say and Vettel's done exactly the same. I think they've been two fantastic spokespeople and ambassadors for Formula One over the last two or three years. And I really sincerely hope that, that Vettel continues to do that even after he's retired from the cockpit. And Kev, on Alex's point about how he was almost the, the pantomime villain in the British press, and we saw that with Michael Schumacher, albeit in a different... It, when the press was, you know, newspapers and tabloids were more powerful, but they always 
it, you know, it was an easy front page to cast Michael Schumacher as, as as the German villain, right? And that plays all the way back through to kind of, you know, wartime stereotypes and the kind of stuff the tabloids now have got, gone to their base and that's who they sell newspapers to. So I, I understand that to an extent. But but what are your thoughts on, on, on and his reputation? Because, you know, we come from the perception of being... British people working in the British press and how there was a period of time at Red Bull where he wasn't appreciated for his his talent because he had the best car. He, he was winning all the time and he was German. Well, so yeah, it's really tedious, isn't it? That, uh, there's that. I mean, yeah, tedious yeah, I mean, is the I, best I mean, word. Autor was always quite su- supportive of, of, of Vettel at that time and, and talking that yeah, this guy is like, he's, he's mega. You can't blame him for, for winning. I mean, he, there were times where he probably didn't help that. I mean, the whole multi-21 thing with Mark Webber you know, he did uh, disobey a team order and that made him look bad. There were, he he was also, although I think out the car, very level-headed, sensible guy, he, he's, he's been prone at various points during his career to red mist moments. I mean, obviously the Baku thing, pulling alongside Lewis when he thought he'd been brake tested, which he hadn't, and just driving into the side of his car. Things like that were were a bit daft, but I don't think they were premeditated. I think they were just him like almost like a mental overload really. So yeah, he was he was paint sort of painted as the as the bad guy and the villain. But I, I don't think he I don't think he was really. He was just people don't like winners, do they? Consistent winners. You know, a lot of people have taken a lot of joy in Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes falling away. Uh, and it happens with every era of domination. Certain people are pleased to see it end. Um, and it did there there were some races to be fair. I think maybe part of Vettel's problem is the way that he won races as well because it was the nature of F1 at the time so it was it was basically qualifying pole which he was very good at get out get our DRS range or get away from the chasing pattern and look after his tyres for the rest of the stint change the tyres go out and do the same so a lot of his wins I've done a top 10's wins list for allsport.com and it was quite hard to pick through them because 20 or 30 of the Red Bull wins were basically copy and paste. But you can't, but you can't blame him for that, <laughs> that he was just doing what needed to be done, not what needed to be done at the time. So, um, mm. yeah, I, don't, I, think, I, I think it's interesting that Vettel's gone from that bad boy to now almost one of the most respected and listened to drivers on the, on the grid. And that's come with maturity in him finding his, finding his wider voice, for want of a better phrase. I think you've got to also, I think you can underestimate the the part that Red Bull played in it. I mean, you think Turkey 2010 and the collision with Weber, I don't think they handled that wonderfully. Um, but equally, you know, the, the sort of narratives that Vettel was up against, Vettel, uh, sorry, uh, Weber was a likeable Australian who, you know, he, he sort of had a hard luck story in terms of his career. Things just sort of went wrong for him and that meant he got natural amounts of sympathy. Um, but I think what's really, what's really interesting, and I find this frustrating because, you know, we get this, like, I also suppose we think all Formula One drivers are mega, maybe not all of them the current crop but you know what I mean we come from a period <laughs> yeah, we come yeah, from a point yeah. of these guys are really good right so when we rank them we're not as people on the internet seem to constantly be forgetting we're not saying they're bad we're not saying they're awful they're all good it's just they're slightly different levels of good right but what's really scary about Sebastian Vettel and his Red Bull dominance right is if it weren't for certain regulations certain tyre decisions things like that mm. he would that him and Weber would have lapped the field that that those Red Bull cars were absolutely phenomenal and what was he supposed to do as I said earlier not winning them he took his chances he nailed them probably shouldn't have done the multi-21 saga but there we go. He 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 is an F one great because of what he achieved, and 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 I don't think that should be held against him in terms of the manner of, he, of how he did it. Yeah, and also that record that he's got Brilliant. of the nine consecutive 
Grand Prix wins, which hadn't been matched, hadn't been done since Alberto Ascari in a you know, very much less competitive era that he did with Red Bull in uh, 2013 is, uh, you know, that's 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 a nice impressive stat. And of course, he is also the, still, he's third on the all-time wins list. Uh, it's just, I mean, I suspect he'll get overtaken by at least one of the current crop, but it'll be a little while before they get there. Who knows? Maybe one day Sebastian Vettel uh, can come on and Alex or, or Kev can interview him for the Autosport podcast. We, we love that very much. Well, that will do for today. We are into a Formula One weekend. Make sure you check out the podcast tomorrow with Luke and Q uh, coming as they, uh, they finish their day in the paddock, looking back at qualifying. And of course, we'll. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner join you on sunday night for the formula one review show thank you very much for listening and we'll see you soon mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner message and data rates may apply guys got hair loss i know what you're thinking should i shave my head comb it over wear a hat just stop this is a 1970 keep your hair and your confidence because bosley america's number one hair restoration experts can give you your real hair back permanently check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts easy to 203203 Dude, you don't have to look like your dad, because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.